This is the full interview from a segment from the Overdrive radio and podcast program. For more information, go to drivenmedia.com.au. The relatively recent developments in the electrification of vehicles, most particularly starting in 2000 or so with the Toyota Prius Hybrid, did not sell itself on the elegance of its outward appearance. Although the need for environmental considerations is becoming even more critical, hybrids and electric vehicles can no longer look like a science experiment. Later this year, Hyundai will launch in Australia their next generation of their all-electric sedan, the Ioniq. It doesn't look like a catch-up vehicle, but one that is very futuristic in its design, not only its technology. Bill Thomas is Hyundai's General Manager, Corporate Communications in Australia. G'day, Bill. G'day, David. How are you? Fighting fit. So, this new Ionic 5, it's a new platform? It's a new global platform. The name of it is EGMP, so Electric Global Modular Platform. It's fully modular. So it can create vehicles of very uh, different sizes and applications. It has a modular battery pack, so you can add or take away battery capacity at will. And it's extremely well proportioned. And if you look at the Ionic 5 that you mentioned in your introduction, you can see that it's got a long wheelbase and short overhangs. And that wheelbase is actually longer than our largest SUV, the Palisade, which, as you know, David, is a big vehicle. The Ionic 5's wheelbase is actually three meters, which is which is longer than a Palisade's wheel wheelbase, which gives you fantastic interior space. And now we're seeing the, the in this platform the real advantage of, of of electric power because we've got the the ability to put a, an electric motor at each end and maximize the space between the wheels. And it's a it's a, a very very clever and simple design. Isn't that a lovely example, though, of now we are actually designing electric vehicles almost from the ground up without saying, well, we're just replacing an internal combustion engine with an electric one. This is a case of being able to, as you say, maximise the layout of an electric vehicle to the benefit of the passengers. And we'll see the shape of cars uh, shifting over the next few years, I think, as as we see more, um, you know, perhaps large SUVs, we, we're looking at what, what we'll call Ionic 7 at some point in the next couple of years, which will be a larger vehicle, and Ionic 6, which will be a sleeker vehicle, again, with quite short overhangs, plenty of space inside, but actually really sporty looking, you know, wheel at each corner touch. And this modular platform gives the designers an amazing sheet of paper to work from, if you like, to really change the way that these cars look, both inside and out. The new 5, Ionic 5, um, it sits low. It has a squarish, aggressive look with rounded sort of corners a bit, but it's almost like the hot hatches. It's got that front lights and grille, like a thinnish strip across the front of the vehicle, which looks like it's got its design cues from Han Solo, Millennial Falcon, Spaceship from Star Wars. By mind, I'm not sure if it's the back or the front. I can never tell with those sorts of vehicles. But it is really a significant, different-looking car without being uh, crazily quirky. It's familiar, but it's actually interesting. The designers used the cues from the original Pony concept, uh, Hyundai Pony, from many decades ago, and that car was actually styled by an Italian design master called Giugiaro. 
and the cues for the design of the Ionic 5 can be directly linked to Jujara's pony concept of, of um, and I think that was in the uh, the 70s. So it's interesting in that it's kind of retro in its shape, and, and some have compared it with the Lancia Delta Integrale. The, the car fans out there will know that, that car very well, and if you look at the shape, it is quite retro in some ways, but then the really interesting thing about this car is that it's big. If you look at a photograph, you don't really get the scale, but as you walk up toward the car, it gets bigger and bigger, and then you realize, oh, hang on, this is actually an SUV, and we will classify it as an SUV, okay. not as, as a passenger car, because it is a significantly bigger car than you expect. The definition of SUV is an evolving thing at the best of times. Have you had good response from uh, people that have seen pictures of it? Very good, yeah, and we've we've actually shown some people around the car here at, at Hyundai headquarters at Macquarie Park in Sydney, and it's been universally well accepted, and it's something that, it's a car that really does strike you when, when you see it um, in the metal. It, it it's really is quite something, and obviously I'm going to say that because I work for Hyundai, <laughs> but uh, I used to I used to be the editor of Wheels magazine, and um, I, I tell you, I, I'm a complete car head, and, I, and that car is deeply impressive inside and out and it it really is a, a, a design statement but also a technology statement as the first vehicle to run on this new platform mm. i'm very very proud of it and i think that we'll see those vehicles sell quite quickly i'm glad you raised your previous life before you joined the dark side as they say really <laughs> tongue-in-cheek but is it the same powertrain or is, has that improved Oh, just in, in terms of the Ionic 5, it's the same motor um, as you'll find in the Kona electric, but we will be having a twin motor arrangement with Ionic 5, which will make the thing pretty quick in twin motor form. Yeah. And then it, it was interesting recently, our head of R&D and, and board member, Albert Beerman, um, who's in charge of 14,000 engineers, was asked about uh, a fast version of Ionic 5, an N. I know we do the i30N hatchback and a journalist asked him about that, and he said, could you imagine that we're not working on it? (laughs) And I thought that was a pretty good clue to the fact that there is a a high-performance version of Ionic 5 coming with an N badge on it, and it will be quite a difficult car to define in some ways because it needs it obviously would be fast, but it needs to handle. Um, It needs to be able to shift its weight rapidly, and it needs to have a, a character all of its own. So... I am aware that the engineers are working on that car. I don't think it's really any secret, and um, and it's uh, going to be quite something. You mentioned the uh, way of being able to take different sizes and batteries and that. I think that might be a very critical element. We've got caught up in range and range anxiety, yet the average car only travels about 270 kilometres a week. Hmm. And so I'm presuming, of course, if you go for the smaller batteries, that A, you'll save weight, and B, you'll save cost. And that might well become, after all, we buy a smaller car, which may not be quite as convenient, in order to reduce costs. Do you see that happening in electric vehicles? Definitely. And it will be important for us to manage the purchase costs of these vehicles. And the way to do that is to offer batteries of different sizes. Obviously, the the prime cost of any battery electric vehicle is in the battery. Hmm. And we're already doing that with uh, Kona Electric in Europe. And we're actually soon to introduce the smaller battery version of the Kona Electric here in Australia. 
and that is a, a very straightforward way of reducing the cost and it all depends on the customer's needs. As you say, if you've got a 40 kilometer a day commute, you can very easily top up overnight and get that energy back. If you happen to be using green energy, then you know your emissions free. So I think that you've got that aspect of it is is going to be very much a customer choice. We're finding that we've done well with the the standard ionic battery electric vehicle, and it suits people's needs very well. And the the Kona electric with the 450 odd kilometer range, you know, I'm I'm not sure you need a lot more than that for everyday driving. And even for the holiday place that's. Uh not interstate, but uh, certainly out in the country. It's certainly an evolving approach. You talked about customers. Are you noticing anything about the customers now that are starting to focus on electric vehicles? They're very well informed, as you'd expect. These are people who are first adopters and early adopters. They understand the benefits of electric vehicles. They understand the technology to a large extent, and they're particular about their needs. And you know, we've got a, we're aware of our, our customers, of course, um, very well. And we, we, we find that they, they communicate with each other a lot and they understand not only the, the capabilities of the vehicle and what it does, but also how it does it. Um, and we've been finding that when we talk to our dealer network, it's important for them to understand the technology and to have a good grasp of, of how the car does things, um, as well as what it does. And, yeah, we're finding that, that, that our customers, at, at, certainly at this stage, are very, very well informed. Sometimes more than the salesperson. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it's, you, you, you just, when, you, when you're talking about training, you, you focus in on the technology and, and the differences between, you know, the different, uh, for example, with Ionic, you've got a plug-in hybrid, a standard hybrid, and then also fully electric. So, what are those three different um, vehicles achieve and why are they different and how? And then obviously the other important angle is to make sure that you you stress the, the green credentials of these vehicles, the fact that they're zero emissions and, and not only that, but of course silent pretty much in, in their operation from the drivetrain. So that there's all sorts of different benefits for these vehicles and the customers that are coming in looking at them understand these benefits very clearly. You mentioned the silence. It is a constant thing I push about them. And it reminds me, when you launched the first Ionic in Australia and we drove it out through the forest areas, was it uh, west of, I think... Brisbane. Brisbane, yeah, west of Brisbane. We wound the window down and we could hear the birds. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That was really one of the memorable parts. Now, of course, a car will still make noise through the tyres and so on. Yeah. I constantly try and emphasize that I feel much calmer in an electric vehicle. You're talking then about the technology, but in essence that then starts to embrace on a salesperson having to engage with where the person's at. Correct, yeah. You and I, your past history in motoring magazines and mine in testing, may have had a great focus on 0 to 100 kilometres an hour, yet... Is it becoming more important to focus or to engage with where the customer is at? It is. And, you know, we need to talk about the different types of of charger that you might want to use. We offer a service where if you want to buy a charger with the vehicle, we we give a discounted price of $1,900. And within that package comes an assessment of your 
home situation, whether you're part of the Strata block or whether you've got a, your own garage or, or just a, as part of the installation process, we we have our people look at you know, our recommendations for how you, you put your charging um, infrastructure into place. Mm. And this is all part of the, the experience of the car. And again, we're finding that customers understand this really well. At the moment, we're not we're not really dealing with ordinary people who might be coming in for a, a petrol-powered car and then they get sold across to an electric car. That that just isn't happening. But part of the package is is the convenience of home charging and and the sort of electricity that you're using, the uh, the ability to charge off peak so that you can pay less for the electricity that you put into the vehicle. All these factors are extras. We're very used to putting petrol in our cars and stopping in our local shell garage and filling up, and that's a part of life and has been for decades. Now we're talking about the ability to plug in and how much extra range you can get from a certain amount of time depending on the charger that you're using. Very different. It's a very different way to use the car. And it's a way just to get used to it. I think the typical motoring journalist that has a car for a week is both testing it across its range, which most people may not use across its range, you say. If you only got a 40k trip, then it's not to 100 acceleration times irrelevant in many ways, if it's not irrelevant in most ways for most people. But it's that sort of adaption to the new world. Are you working on that with your salespeople? Yeah, very much so. Um, and and that's it, it comes down to the needs of the customer um, um, in their daily driving. And, you know, I think anyone who is doing a lot, a lot of interstate driving wouldn't be considering this vehicle, but but the customers we find are coming coming into our dealerships already have all this worked out. Ah. But we're going to get to a point where as electric vehicles become more commonplace, it may be a little bit more important to, to emphasize the convenience of having an electric car. I mean, I ran one for about four weeks when they first came in, I had a Ionic Electric, and I remember driving past fuel stations and looking at them and half wondering what they were there for. <laughs> after, <laughs> after a while, I, I popped into my local garage that I'm very familiar with with my normal car and just popped in and bought some bread, and it just occurred to me that I couldn't really park it next to a Bowser because there was no point. And so I parked across <laughs> to one side and walked in and bought my bread and thought, well, this, this this service station has come in handy, but not for the reasons it usually does. Well, the whole situation of service change, service stations is changing for this, this very reason as well. But you mentioned, of course, Bill, that people who travel a long distance are unlikely to buy a full electric car, yet one that is often not considered or not publicly as much as it might be is the plug-in hybrid. How many kilometres on battery alone will the new Ionic 5 do? Well, the Ionic 5 is a full electric vehicle using an electric platform, so that that's not a, a plug-in hybrid, but the Ionic that we currently sell, plug-in hybrid, will do around between 50 and 60 kilometres on electric only. So we're talking about a car that's a normal hybrid, but you can you can charge the battery every day. So the difference is that a, a normal hybrid, of course, you can't charge up. You, you use the battery to supplement the, the petrol engine. But within a plug-in, a plug-in hybrid has got a normal petrol engine that it can use. Or if you want it to, it will just use electricity. So it will use all of the battery up first, and then it will start using petrol. So what I found was that I have a 40-kilometer-a-day commute. 
so I could do my commute and another another trip fully fully electric, so zero emissions for all of that. Um, and then, of course, if I didn't plug it in, then I could just use it as a normal hybrid car where the, the battery was helping its efficiency. I found it really interesting. And the range with petrol in it, which you can replace at any petrol station, would be... Something in the order of 700 kilometres. The Ionic 5 is designed purely as an electric vehicle, so there's no no basis then to try and do a bit of you know one or the other, a hybrid. So you're going to keep the old Ionic plug-in hybrid as a possibility? Yeah, we'll maintain the sale of that vehicle for some time, and then we might find that we we introduced other plug-in hybrids later. Um, we're going to be introducing a standard version a standard hybrid version of the Santa Fe SUV later this year. So that's just a normal hybrid where you can't actually charge the battery up by plugging it in. Hmm. But a plug-in hybrid is, is, a, is a good stepping stone, and we, we're looking to hopefully to introduce a few of those um, you know, within the next couple of years. When will the Ionic 5 be with us? By the end of the year. I think we're looking at September-October time. So we're really excited about that. We're we're building up to that, and we, we hope to have a, a pre-production car for you to drive, David. We're very very keen to get you a, a go in that one. Oh, oh all right. <laughs> At some point in August, we'll uh, we'll definitely give you a shot in that, and uh, and that would be a pre pre-production car oh, yeah. as a, a as a as an experienced drive. Mm. Um, and then hopefully October, we'll we'll get the cars here. Are the dealers excited? Very much so, and I think we can we can look at this as the step, the start of something. Um, when we have this dedicated platform with a you know such a capable vehicle sitting on it, um, and the prospect of 23 battery electric vehicles from the group coming before 2025, we're we're launching 23 new battery electric cars. I think around. 14 or 15 of those will be on this new platform. So it'll be a variety of different types of cars at different price points, um, and this platform gives us that flexibility to introduce a number of different uh, vehicles um, riding on it. So the dealer dealer group's very excited about it. When was it launched internationally? It wasn't that long ago, so we're getting it pretty quick? Yeah, I believe it's just gone on sale in the UK and Europe, and we're... Yes, we're getting it pretty soon after, um, not quite as quickly as we'd like, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll have it soon, and we will get a decent supply. We expect the first batch of cars to sell very quickly, but then we will get a, a decent supply, and we're, we're looking forward to that very much. It's nice that it's uh, within the year, because I think some other companies have found that their head offices are giving priority to other countries that have a more passionate view to reducing CO2. Yeah, we we really want to do our best to introduce these cars as quickly as we can and the full range as well. We we think Australian customers will be delighted to to be able to try these vehicles. Obviously, the incentives from government um, don't exist to quite such a level as they do in Europe and parts of the US and other countries. I don't think that there is seen to be a political expediency or a political need to to offer incentives to zero emissions vehicles just yet in this country, but it'll come, and uh, we've already seen some signs of that from state governments. So that will help to drive demand. But regardless of 
government initiatives and incentives will be trying to bring every single one of these vehicles to Australia. I would think Hyundai must be impressed by the fact that you, and through people like Scott, who are really pushing the sensible, thoughtful approach to environmental considerations. Yeah, and it's an important part of the, the, the makeup of, of the, the emissions, you know, for, for this country. And But it is, it's not just emissions. It's, you know, the, these vehicles have an, a, an amazing appeal in all sorts of different ways. You mentioned how quiet they are and how you, you tend to drive them in a very relaxed way. They're, they're very cosseting and very relaxing to drive and you tend it's the the type of vehicle that make you drive them in a certain way so they're relaxing to drive and they're also as you said very quiet and that's great for cities mm. if we were to suddenly replace every bus in sydney with with a hydrogen bus and every every car with an electric car i think you'd notice the the, the, the drop in noise levels it has been my passion to have government policy to be make buses sexy <laughs> and I think making them quiet is a really key part of that. My son lived on a fairly busy road for a short while and ended up hating buses not because he didn't use them but because they just woke him up in the morning particularly when <laughs> starting out. Do you think then that we are moving more towards an, an understanding of the great benefits, joy or whatever you like of this new technology rather than, as some might do, think that we have to begrudgingly accept it? I think so. I think if people rode on a hydrogen-powered bus, um, they would be amazed. And there's something about it being a bigger vehicle, a bigger gliding ship-like vehicle. I don't know how to describe it really, Mm. but I, I had a quick ride on a hydrogen bus. It's absolutely silent you get some tyre roar and a little bit of wind noise, but very, very little. It felt like being in a limousine. It really did. It was like being in a big limo because you didn't get that roaring engine and the all of the drivetrain and all of the componentry there was silent and it was just whisper quiet and it was it really did feel like a step forward and I think that that would make a big difference to people. Mm. I think I would if there was a hydrogen bus on between my home and office, I'd be taking it. I think that's absolutely critical. I understand that there's been things like electric garbage trucks and now people are a little bit conscious about the noise of the mechanics of picking up the garbage can. I believe some some electric bus builders now are having to look go to the nth degree by looking at the noise from the bearings and that yes. in the wheels because that now is the only sound that is in any way apparent. It's not a huge issue, but it's just an example of how going down that path of quiet luxury is really something that the electric vehicle allows us to go the next step. It does, and I think that, as I say, I'd love to be able to step forward 30 or 40 years and, and, and experience a modern city with zero emissions vehicles because this idea of a zero emissions vehicle, be it a truck, a bus, or even a tram or a plane or a car, by, almost by definition, they're, they're silent in their drivetrains. Mm. And I, I think that will make quite, a, quite a, a stark difference to our cities. What we'll find is it'll be a very slow edit. You know, gradually it'll get quieter. But if you're able to beam forward 70 years and then stand on a, on a main street in a big bustling city, the difference in, in volume would be amazing. My traffic engineering experience started very much when I stood 
on the main street through Parramatta, which was still a through road, Church Street yeah. in Sydney, yeah. and the noise was hurting. <laughs> and now yeah. they built a ring road around that, that that main street now has restaurants on extended footpaths and so on. It's it's, And I think COVID showed that a decline in the use of internal combustion engines produces a much better environment. Definitely. And it is a, a fantastic technology and the, the driving experience is very normal. We're finding that the the, the ability to, to design and develop performance cars with electric power is really interesting. Um, they have a character all their own, and so there's, there's driving fun to be had. Um, and all the while, it's, it's a zero emissions technology, so it has its benefits in all sorts of different ways. And as you say, the, the manufacturers of all sorts of vehicles are going to have to look at the way that they they manage the noise output of all of the different componentry because the engines are making no noise. So you're quite right. The, the way that the axles and bearings work, the way the suspension is uh, attached to the body, all of these things will have to be suppressed because people will expect it. Yes, we've become used to a better world. And I, I make no apology for that. Yes. Uh, Bill, it, it's been lovely to talk to you. I thank you very much for your time. You too, David, and we'll get you into one of these Ionic 5s as soon as we can. Okay, okay, it's a deal. I'll, I'll keep that re- part of the recording. <laughs> Good on you. <laughs> and, and that's Bill Thomas, who is, of course, the General Manager for Communications, Public Relations and Marketing at Hyundai here in Australia. I've got to say, and I, I deeply respect, that they and uh, his support staff are doing some great work in pushing the broad understanding and the, the glorious benefits that we can get if we learn to adapt just a little, I think we'll all be better off. Overdrive is a radio and podcast program featuring road tests, interviews and features on motoring and transport. More information is available at drivenmedia.com.au and podcasts on Spotify or iTunes.